0: This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast.
1: Good morning, Unity Community Central Oregon, and welcome to our guests and loved ones who are joining us on our live. We see you, we value you, we appreciate you, and you're here with us. We can feel it, right? We can feel all the feels. <laughs> Um, one of the favorite things that I love about Unity is how inclusive we are and how welcoming and well represented everyone here is. Whether you're on two legs or four, whether you're white, brown, black, yellow, red, no matter what your religious background is, you are welcome and invited and valued here with us. With that, we're going to go into our mission statement. We are a vibrant, welcoming, multi generational, prosperous community embodying love and awakening spiritual consciousness. My name's Naomi Steele, by the way, and I'm going to be your platform host today. <laughs> And in a little bit, we're going to get to hear from our beloved uh, guest speaker, Shore. And before that, yes, yeah, let's give him a round of applause. And before that, we're going to get some music medicine from Soul Shine. All right,
2: we're going to do some songs with you, not for you, with you, and uh, uh, Dave Finch He's not here, you got me, so we'll just muddle off.
3: Yes. Uh
2: but I can say just as well as he does that we don't sing from our seats, we sing All right. Darn skippy. Alright. So the song we're gonna start with is called I it very simple. The words are I am light.
1: Repeat after me. I receive. I receive. I, receive. I receive. I receive. What a treat. Thank you so much, Eric. Uh, we do have celebrations with Claire Kubota.
4: Woohoo. Good morning, everyone. Did you all have a good holiday? Yeah, nice, nice. So happy to see you here. And I'm so excited to hear Shore's talk this morning. Our first time speaking to our group and we're so excited to have you thank you thank you so i have first online celebration now i just want to give a shout out and celebrate lisa jordan because she you know how you always have i post anyone have a celebration she is always the first one almost always the first one to post she always has a celebration this morning she is the only online celebration this morning so if you are on facebook or watching the live stream through our website go ahead and post your celebration in there so we can share and celebrate with you but Lisa's uh, celebration this morning is celebrating her improvement in health because she took a nasty fall and so is recovering from that and her holiday with her family so I'm so glad you're healing Lisa and thank you for joining us <laughs> yay <laughs> and then I'm going to go straight to Andy because she has a good celebration, right, this morning. And I think we have a photo to go. Kev, do we have a photo to go with that? I knew. I wanted you to. So those of you that don't know, Andy Cardwell is our kind of our um, volunteer coordinator for community service. So if any of you are interested in participating in community service outreach um, help that we do, um, this is your gal to talk to, and if you and to get on her email list, yes. so she's going to celebrate something we did yesterday. Boy, did we have fun! Is there going to be a photo of us up there? Maybe we went to the family kitchen yesterday and helped out with serving lunch, and what a fabulous time we had! It was just, it was great fun. And if you would like to join us or uh, be an alternate on our team please let me know, I'd love to add you. And hooray, it was just, it was, it just, was, it was so wonderful. Nice. It was wonderful, we had a delightful time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And just got, as we're making sandwiches, getting to chit chat and get to know each other, it was, it was awesome. And there's Nolan, Jane's grandson, hiding behind his yarn ball doll he made. <laughs> so, but yes, we had, so my fam, so Kevin and me and Nico, and then Jane and Nate Lund, who's sitting over on the left side, down in front, And then Judy Martin and Andy, and then we made a new friend who maybe will show up. That was Doug in the back. So he was not a union member, but I think we may have convinced him that he needs to be here, right? Oh, yes, Amy, Amy. Yes, who's back there? Yeah, hi, Amy. Sorry, we forgot you. All right, who has another celebration? Oh, Okay, thank you, Loma, stepping up.
5: I have a celebration that Nancy is here today, and Nancy is Shore's mama.
4: The pressure's on, Shore. Your mom is watching. So you better do a good job. We know he's worked hard because, yeah, right? Even no matter how old you get, you always want to impress your parents,
6: right? I'm celebrating, first of all, Pamela Matthews and Carol Rossio put up that beautiful tree. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And And I'm also celebrating that I got my tree up and all the decorations and I just love this time of year. So, yay. Well, we have two,
4: so this is Jane, Loma is Jane's sister and they both have Christmas birthdays. So isn't that cool? So that's why it's Jane's favorite, because she gets her birthday and her Christmas. And who else had a set? Carol, did you have a celebration?
5: Hi. Um, This is not a commercial, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just celebrating that my chickens are laying eggs like crazy. (laughs) And I have a bunch of them in the car. Oh, okay, Carol has eggs for
4: sale at the after service. Anyone who wants farm fresh eggs, super yummy. Yep, we need some right here. You have another one? Should we let Jane do another
6: double? All right. (laughs) And this is not, speaking of eggs, this is not a celebration, but Lisa Jordan has a quarter of a cow left for those of you who um, like to eat meat and have a freezer. It's um it's been really well cared for, very sacred in the way that they um killed it at the time and so if you're interested in that let me know and I'll connect you with Lisa. Wonderful.
4: All right. Anyone else have a celebration? Donna, you're going to pull what you she just thought of one. <clears throat>
5: So um, I told you that you prayed my friend Anne into her beautiful new home, and she is on her way here. She's running late, so my, one of my really besties is going to be coming to Unity.
4: For the first time, this is her first time coming? She might have been here before. Years ago. Well, okay. Well, she can see how we evolve. So all of you, thank you for being here, and back to you, Naomi.
1: I love our celebration time. It is so fun. So we're going to go into a discussion question. And the way this works is if you're joining us online or virtually, and there's someone in your home you can dialogue with briefly about this or take it as a journal prompt to reflect, and if you're here, visit with the person next to you, and our discussion question is, have you ever had a mystical experience, and can you describe it? If you don't think you have, do you have a desire for one? Why or why not? So again, have you ever had a mystical experience and can you describe it? And if you don't think you have, do you have a desire to have one? Why or why not? What a good question. I love that. (laughs) So go ahead and visit amongst yourselves and then I'll bring you back in a moment. Wonderful. Welcome back to the room. Welcome back to our bodies and our seats in the moment. I just got to share my reflection with Shore and I am just having this like, I can't wait to hear his share now. (laughs) We're gonna move into uh, prayer, but before we do, I want to share a little bit about what prayer is here at Unity. And it is so empowering and life-giving to me personally because it has so much more promise than any prayer I've been exposed to or practiced before. So here at Unity, the way that we pray is affirmative prayer. It is not asking or begging or beseeching a thing outside of us. It is acknowledging that thing is inside of us and that it is already present to us and that we simply receive, we simply acknowledge it, we simply call it in and manifest it. And the reason we pray is to have that physical acknowledgement to ourselves, that physical acknowledgement to the people around us, just to amp up that belief and that calling in and that receiving and then those around us get to celebrate with us when it manifests. So if you're online, I'd like to invite you to fill out an online prayer claim form And there's a couple ways you can do it. Um, There's going to be a link somewhere in your live that you're watching right now. Also, you can just go to unitycentralorgan.org forward slash prayer. If you're here in the room, there's a green slip in the seat in front of you. You can fill it out and put it in the offering basket at the end of service. And the other cool thing about Unity Prayer is when you submit an online prayer and claim form or one here, one of our prayer chaplains actually reaches out to you and physically prays with you. You get to pick. Do I want it in an email or a phone call? Personally, I like the email because then I can chew on it and repeat it over and over. And then after someone from here prays with you, then it goes to silent unity and gets prayed on 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 30 days. Or is it 90? 30 days. I need to write that on my hand because I have the same question every Sunday. (laughs) So it is just this mounting tidal wave of communal prayer that we are sitting with you, standing with you, and doing life with you for what you're manifesting. So with that, we're going to go into the prayer. And am I praying today? I think I am. Okay, good. I apologize. I was uh, helping my grandma find a ride in Arkansas moments before we started, so I'm catching up. (laughs) All right, we're going to go into prayer. I want to start our prayer with gratitude. I am so thankful that we have this community to come to. I am so thankful that we have this community to tune into virtually and collectively, that we can come and sit in person, that we have a comfortable, safe building or shelter, that we have land that we can call our own. So many spiritual fellowships don't have that. They don't have land of their own. They don't have a location to gather. And I'm overwhelmed with gratitude that we have that today, that we can come and be in the same room and see each other face-to-face and eye-to-eye and hug and be in community and to sit with each other and pray with each other. I'm so thankful for that. So today we tap into that collective energy and we pray for what we need. We pray for our health and well-being. We pray for our bodies. We pray for those of us who are sitting in this room with ailments that are receiving healing. We pray for our bodies, for the cells in our bodies, that they come together and step into their ability to heal and mend themselves. For our interpersonal relationships, we pray for the partnerships and marriages. We acknowledge the journey of being in partnership and marriage together in this life, in these bodies, at this time, and all their hardships. And we just speak life and peace, and harmony, and healing into the partnerships and marriages where that is manifesting today. We pray for our community relationships, where we pop up ourselves in individual companies or organizations around Central Oregon, and the light that we're called to step into and be, how we're called to love those we work with, love those that we serve. And we pray for harmony and creative problem solving and creative solutions as we collectively manifest the highest and best good for our communities. We pray for our time together today. And we're grateful for our special speaker that truth and life and divinity channel and flow through each of us in this moment, this morning, and out into the rest of the day. Aho. Let's affirm our prayer collectively together now with our affirmative prayer. Love is our ultimate reality, everywhere present and whole. It radiates abundantly and continually creates good in my life and in the world. As we gratefully acknowledge the presence and power of love now, we see the people. And circumstances we hold in prayer, healed and illumined by love. And so it is. Are you doing our meditation? I can, yes. Would you like to? How about some improv meditation from our special speaker? <laughs> so we stand there and then they can see us online.
0: Good morning. All right, so just take a deep breath in and exhale with a sigh. Let's do another big deep breath in and exhale with a sigh. Close your eyes if that works for you. And just center in this moment. Feel the prayer of your breath breathing you and breathing life. You are being breathed in this now moment. So just feel that breath move in and out and animate you with light and love and life. And feel that light spark in you grow, the flame grow and extend through all parts of you. There is no cell in your body that it is not in. That animating life flows and moves all through your being and out beyond you. So imagine that light now extending beyond you to the person next to you, behind you, in front of you. And what I want you to do now in this now moment, extend that light all around you and feel yourself connecting Consciously connecting to all the souls around you. Take three breaths of connection in as you pull in the light from around you and give it back. Three deep breaths. Now fill your heart with love and gratitude, and bring your breath back inside you, amplify it, and say, thank you, God. Amen? Thank you. You're welcome.
1: All right, we've got another song from Soul Shine.
2: Yes, and I would like to apologize to our speaker because normally we do two songs that are both having to do with his topic but with Stephen Somheim passing away this week and him being such an influence on Dave Finch and myself we thought it was we needed to do a tribute and it was uh, unfortunately Dave couldn't be here today so we're, but this is uh, this is Both of us in its own way. keeps tearing around farce my fault i fear i thought that you'd want what i want
5: excuse me, folks, excuse me, folks, your divinity is showing. You cannot help yourselves, for you are light forms expressing the true nature of beauty, of abundance, of love. Your heart is a radiation. It beams forth so much energy that if you were hooked up to the moon, It would shine brighter than the sun in all its glory. Yet, day to day, what do you walk with? Head down, dragging through the muck and mire of life, shaking a fist at God, or standing tall, knowing that your mystical, magical beingness can heal the world, and you are God. Your light can creep and seep into the thorniest of places and lift up the consciousness so that all awaken to their magnificence, their divinity. The divinity they always thought was outside, unattainable, too far away. It is within you at all times, in all places. Reach for it. Access it. For it is what is needed right now. This season of light is upon us, where hearts can be sad and disappointments can be many. Shine your heart flashlight upon the downtrodden. Let them know how sweet it can be, how they are illuminated souls here to shine. Whether it be as they spin the dreidel, place the star on the Christmas tree, or light the candles of Kwanzaa, let them know they are light. Excuse me folks, your divinity is showing. Pass it on.
3: <laughs>
6: <laughs> Introducing Shor Slocum today. Shor and I have started a friendship and And so I've gotten to learn a lot about him that is bigger than just a traditional bio. And so I wanted to share that with you. Shore actually grew up right here in Sisters. And what I love about that was that he spent a lot of time out in the woods. He was really a a baby mystic and was so aware of the energy out there while not necessarily understanding it he had a near death experience in hawaii when he was a teenager and got caught in a wave and again he had this mystical experience but didn't know what to make of it he went on in his adult life to work with tony robbins in a in a story that i thought was pretty interesting because it was when tony was just getting started and Shore was in the audience hearing him speak, and he came up to him afterwards and said, well, I'm going to work for you. When do you want me to start? And and so uh, Tony was like, well, go talk to that guy over there. And he went over to the business manager or whoever he was, and he said, Tony said, I'm starting. And the guy was like, well, I, I I didn't know anything about that, but that was just kind of his style to to know from inside what was right and where he belonged. And so he went on and had a long career leading trainings through the Tony Robbins Institute. And then at some point, he just realized, I'm done. It was just, you know, a convergence of circumstances that spoke to him inside. And so he moved on and just left that whole glamorous world. And the next thing that happened to him was he was told that by, I think it was your agent, wasn't it? Somebody said, you need to come and meet this guy, this rabbi. And and he's like, no, 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 I, I don't have time for this. And and the the person was persistent, and he said, well, What's the guy's name? And he tells him his name, and he's thinking, there's something about that name. What is it? And he's on a plane at the time, and he looks down on his lap, and here's a book by the person that he's being told he needs to meet. So, you know, that's just how his life has gone with this serendipitous um, being led. And, And so there's more story to that, but he ends up studying with... A rabbi and really diving deep into the Kabbalah so I love that as we have the first day of Hanukkah today that we have someone who is really really delving into the mystical qualities and and teachings of the t- Kabbalah I he probably wouldn't call himself an expert but me is you know I know how to say the word and that's about it he seems like he really <laughs> knows a lot so what What has impressed me in being with him because he's led me in a couple of sessions that's really about connecting with the divine that is there with you and being able to feel it and it's been those sessions have been really, really powerful and and that's something that he's stepping into. I, I think I'm struck by the humility of this man and the willingness to always follow this call that is, leading him into more of his light, whatever that might be, even when all the details haven't been spilled out about how that's going to work. And I know that many of you can relate to that experience. So I invite you to give a really warm welcome to this man who is stepping into giving talks in spiritual communities for the first time and I know it's going to be beautiful. Welcome, sure.
0: Wow. I want to get to know that guy. (laughs) Um, You know, I will say, I'll just start by saying that the journey of life is so magical when you follow it with sort of a yearning to know it more. And I think what I've been blessed in my life to do is to just be able to to know there's something so much greater running the show that is not out there. It's out there in here, moving all through all things. And so it leads us to these moments where we get to have the next chapter unfold. And it's, by the way, it's not always an easy journey. How many of you noticed that? You know, be careful what you wish for, right? And I love the scene in The Matrix, the red pill or the blue pill, right? And if you take the red pill, you can't go back. And I really feel like uh, at some point, I took the red pill. And um, you know, if I knew what I was gonna get myself into at that moment, I don't know if I would have decided that in that moment. But it's led to a life beyond my imagining Uh, so amazing, but not anything like I imagined. Does that make sense? And so um, I think that's sort of the trust part of it. That's sort of the, you know, spiritual guidance system, if you pay attention to it. And that trust part of it is letting it lead you without your small agenda. And then what happens is you're creating a circuitry, and we're going to talk about that today a lot. You're creating a circuitry where you have a different kind of listening. You have ears that can actually hear another place. Have you ever heard of the notion of hearing the uh, music of the spheres? Or seeing uh, with eyes that are beyond your physical eyes, spiritual sight? Well, that That's what um, I'm interested in developing more and more so I can pay more attention to the divine whisperings that are happening all the time. And so what happens in that is when you plug in and you create the circuit, you actually start to create what I like to refer to as predictable miracles. How many would like some predictable miracles in your life? So miracles are natural. They are a natural state, they're a natural thing, and what is a miracle for most people? It's above natural law, physical law, the laws of physics. It's beyond the five senses, that's what most of us consider a miracle. Well, that's true, that can encompass miracles for sure, but a miracle is when a giver and a receiver participate in an act of love. And in that act of love, No energy is lost. Energy is created. So in the physical world, you'll hear from, you know, second law of thermodynamics and Newton's laws, right? That energy is not gained or lost in a system. But where two people meet in love, you are in pure creation and you make more. That's what, and so when that happens, you can rise above the natural laws and create supernatural experiences. And many of you have probably had an experience of a miracle that did not make sense in the laws of physics, right? And so Michael Beckwith is a great teacher, and he shares his definition of a miracle. And he says, a miracle is an instant demonstration of reality. So what does that mean? That means that when we're in the physical dimension and we're navigating this world with our five senses, that we are limited by those senses. We're limited by the natural laws. we, and A lot of us want to get caught into those intellectual you know, dogfights in our mind, and we want to play it out and make sense of it all, right? But when something goes beyond those laws and is totally outside that realm, all of a sudden, what happens? What's the purpose of a miracle? The purpose of a miracle is not to show off or to create some crazy experience or anything else. The real spiritual purpose of a miracle is to compress time. So, you don't have to go through maybe 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years of learning. That you change your perception of reality quicker. Because in the world of miracles, is there time, yes or no? In the eternal, is there any time? Is there any space? It's instant. But in our illusion of the world we live in, there's separation, there's space, there's darkness, there's light. So um, I wanted to share, my mom's here, and I'm so blessed that she came today, so I'm kind of nervous, so I'll I'll get in the groove here in a minute. Uh, But I was asked when I came in by somebody that I met, uh, they asked my name, and I told my name was Shore, and I said, I normally don't share how I got my name, but I'll share it because my mom's coming, and uh, so I've I've got my first name Shore, it's S-H-O-R-E, I was Conceived in the uh, decade of the 60s, okay, so hippie child, right? And uh, I was conceived on the beach. That's how I got my name. Sure. So just worked better than beach. And I and I always tell people I feel really sorry for my brother Hot Tub. I really feel sorry sorry for him. Not to mention my sister Kitchen Table. We just call her K- We just call her KT for short. Sure. Uh, <laughs> That's not really how I got my name, it just works. (laughs) Um, So, have you ever heard of the uh, author Robert Fulgham? He wrote everything I needed to uh, learn, I learned in kindergarten. And he uh, tells a story that is wonderful. He went to the island of Crete to study at the world-renowned Peace Institute there that was started by Dr. Papaderos. And Dr. Papaderos um, taught for decades there. And his last two weeks of teaching, he invited Robert Fulgham to go be part of his last session there. And, And where the Peace Institute is, it's on the island of Crete, because during the war, the Germans attacked that island, and the Cretans defended the island. And so the Peace Institute is right between the two graveyards, the graveyard of the Germans and the graveyard of the Cretans. And he grew up there as a young boy, and he tells a story of, um, he, went, he was going down a road, he went around a road during the war, and there was a wrecked uh, German motorcycle from one in the military. And he was looking around, couldn't find any person there, but he, he saw the mirror of the motorcycle had broken. And so he, took, he looked around, and he found the biggest piece of mirror that he could, And he started rubbing it on a rock and eventually made it round, about the size of a quarter. And he kept that mirror. And one day, uh, when Robert Fulgham went to visit him, he would always ask. He just had this kind of funny habit all through his whole life of when he would leave a lecture, you know, the professor at the college would say, does anybody have a final question? He was always asked, what's the purpose of life? And everybody would chuckle and get up and leave, right? And so that was kind of his habit. And while he was at the institute with Dr. Papaderos, the session ended and he said, is there any more questions? And Robert said, what's the purpose of life? And everybody kind of chuckled and started to shuffle and get ready to leave. And Dr. Papaderos looked Robert in the eyes. And st- stared intently. And he says, Do you really want to know? And Robert did really want to know. And Dr. Papaderos took his wallet out and took a mirror, that same mirror that he had rubbed the corners off of. And he took that mirror. And he told the story. And he said, I'm a fragment of a much bigger mirror. And he took that that mirror and he reflected the light in the room into Robert's face and then onto his hands. He said, my job is to take the light that is always there and reflect it into the dark places. And then he walked over to Robert, and he handed him the mirror. And he said, now it's your job to go reflect the light into the dark places. And that's really all of our job, spiritually. So why do we come to a world where there is seeming pain and suffering? You know, today is the first day of Hanukkah, and my teacher... Uh, The great Kabbalist, Rav Berg, he was also asked that question during one of his teachings. And I got to watch a video of it. And the person asked, what's the purpose of life? And the Rav said it so wonderfully. He said, the purpose of life is to come into this world one way and leave it totally transformed. That's the purpose of life. And so, how does that happen? We're wired for it to happen. Now, whether we're conscious or not of it, whether we feel like life is happening to us or we're making it happen, that's our free will. Because in lighting these candles today, the light, for example, right? The miracle of Hanukkah. How many you have heard of the miracle of Hanukkah, right? What is the miracle of Hanukkah? You tell me. The oil lasting eight days. How many think that's the miracle of Hanukkah? Raise your hand. Okay, most people. That's what the that's what they hear, right? So I want to tell you something that when I started to get introduced to this world of Jewish mysticism, it kind of blew me away because I grew up, you know. Uh, sort of studying spiritual teachings, all different teachings, I was very interested in all, and I studied the life of Yeshua, the great teacher, the great example, and I would really get bogged down, and it would get very harsh and intense and religious, and then the Old Testament to me was like, oh, I, I don't get it at all, like, seems like an angry God who's fire and brimstone, I just don't understand it. And so when I was pulled into this world of Kabbalistic mysticism, which is Jewish mysticism, I was sort of uh, blown away because my teacher said everything has a spiritual purpose. Everything. And if you don't know what it is, you need to find out. And if you can't find out, then don't do it. There's a circuitry being created. So how does light create a circuitry? Can we put that, that picture up, Nico? How does light create a circuitry? This is the... Kabbalistic depiction of the tree of life. And the tree of life is a circuitry. It's 10 dimensions, right? How many of you have heard of the 10 dimensions of reality through string theory, right? This was written about 5,000 years ago in the book of Sefirah, Yetzirah. And so the three dimensions on the top are the mystical, spiritual realm where eternal light happens. So let's talk about Hanukkah for a second because this is a perfect day to talk about Hanukkah. And it's w- such a beautiful thing, because when Jane invited me to do this, she said, how about the 28th of uh, November? I said, how's I said, okay, sure. It was like a month and a half ago, I think was when you asked me. And I had no idea, and I, we find out later, it's the first day of Hanukkah. Now, the real story of Hanukkah is the uh, Syrian Greeks started, took over, um, you know, the Jewish tribes and they were in exile. They were allowed to live in their land, but they were starting to change the things in the land to be a much more suppressive energy. They wanted them to start worshiping not their God, but things of the body, like, and they would invite them to their gymnasiums, and they would start to talk about, you know, interesting sexual practices and all these other things, and they started to really distort their practice of connecting to their one God. And they said, you can even study your Torah, your Old Testament as we know it. You could study your Torah, but it's an academic thing. There will be no praying, there will be no Shabbat, there will be no lighting your candles. It's more just learning this wonderful book that you guys wrote. And so this went on, and the suppression was getting worse, and the atrocities were getting worse. And there was a small group of elderly priests... And they said, enough's enough. We're not going to live by the rules of suppression, of fear, of, uh, you know, this intense non-allowing of us to express our love of God. We would rather die than not be able to express that love. And so they decided they were going to fight back. The Greek Syrian army, a massive army. And they what did they do first in their preparation? Did they go get weapons? No. Did they go raise more army? No. There was like literally uh, less than a dozen of them. And they were old and they were <laughs> scholars and religious men. So what did they decide to do? Fast for three days. That'll get you ready for the battle, won't it? <laughs> Let's go fast for three days. So they started fasting, and at the end of three days, they go into this battle, and the sages tell us, the mystical sages tell us, that they didn't use weapons. They used prayer. And the prayer created illusions in the leaders and the generals that were they couldn't understand, and it scared them so much that they turned and they fled. And th- hundreds of thousands in this army against these small group of men and so they, they pulled down a mystical experience, which a mystical experience means a direct experience of the divine. That's what it means. So if you've ever had a mystical experience, it's something that you feel is beyond words a lot of times, right? And they're all available to us. And creating this circuitry, of how light flows, allows you to tap into that. So that's what these men did. They were creating the circuitry to create an experience that protected them and got their enemy to leave. And when they left, they were so excited because now they could go back into their temple and pray. And so he went into the temple to light the menorah, the sacred menorah that was always supposed to be lit, was never to go out. And they were looking around, and all the jugs of the pure olive oil that they burned in the menorah had been defiled. And they were like, oh, they were so distraught. But right in front of the menorah, right in plain sight, was one sealed, pure jug. Now, let's talk about the oil that they would put into the menorah. When a king, a true king like David... King David or King Solomon, right? Or Yeshua. When they're anointed, right, what are they anointed with? Pure oil, olive oil, that's been beaten so it's purified. And that's what you put into the source of light because the pure oil represents direct uh, anointing of the divine energy. So you're connected to the divine energy and then the light comes from that divine energy. Does that make sense? You light the light from the divine oil. And so, why is it that the Greek Syrian army couldn't see the jug, the one jug that was there? Because the jug mystically represented where the light never goes out, which is your soul. So, when you pass from this body, this sense of body awareness, this density you call you know, your body, which is not you, do you, does something else live on, do you believe? Right? Your soul. So that light never goes out. It just changes form and transmutes and goes on for more lessons and whatever it does, right? But that soul is not able to be put out. So that jug was the soul in this world. And so the Syrians couldn't even see it. They were blind to it. They had no sight to see that jug. So they filled it up. They filled up the menorah, which was a six-candle menorah. And this is the eight candles of the Hanukkah menorah. And they lit the candles, and uh, they burned for eight days while they went to get more oil. And they only had enough oil for one day. So why did that burn? Because when we start to rise above the limitations of the physical world and we start to step into the metaphysical world, there's a whole other set of rules that is playing the game. So I remember, uh, do you guys remember when the Hubble telescope uh, took that picture into deep space, that crazy picture in like 1999? And I was looking at it in National Geographic, and I was like looking, and I thought it was a bunch of stars because you had like the center fold out, and there's all these st- lights, and I thought they were stars. And as I looked at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, the, you, I read the caption, and it said, those aren't stars, those are other galaxies. And I was like, whoa, and how many planets are in a galaxy? I started to wonder. Anywhere from 400 billion to 2 trillion. Uh, stars and planets in each of those galaxies. And I started to read, oh my gosh, they had to take the Hubble telescope and they aimed it into the darkest place in our universe, in our galaxy, and it was right by Orion's belt, and they magnified it as much as they could. And then they took a picture And Kevin, being a photographer, knows when you open the shutter, right, to let light in, it's to give you enough exposure. There was so little light coming from that area that they focused on that they had to open the shutter for 11 days. And they left the shutter open for 11 days. And by the way, the area that they focused on was imagine a full moon at night over your head, a full moon. And if it was one-tenth, of the size of that full moon, that's the area that they were focused on. And they found 30,000 new galaxies in that little spot that had billions of stars minimum each. And here's what blew me away, is that in that, so you extrapolate that, if you took that and you went all the way around the entire earth and every part of space, how much creation is there? But what really blew me away is they said these galaxies were from the beginning of this known creation called this universe, right? The Big Bang. And some of those were from the earliest galaxies from there, and they were 13 and a half to 14 billion light years away. Okay, what? <laughs> what does that even mean? And so I'm sitting here, like, with my napkin. Okay, so first of all, how, what's a light year? Light traveling, uh, you know, photon traveling at the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second, 300,000 kilometers per second. And it's traveling that fast for 13 and a half billion years before it gets to the shutter on the Hubble telescope camera. God is awesome. (laughs) Right? You, You get it? Like, and what they, what I started to find as I started to go down this amazing path, like that is what's available. And What they started to find is they started to understand the universe. They wanted to see if it was expanding and it would contract with all its, you know, with all the gravitational forces. And when they started to measure the universe's expanding contraction, which was the predominant theory at the time, they started to measure what's called the redshift, which is a wave of light. And when they started to measure that, they started to understand, "Uh uh-oh, we got something really wrong. And they started to get all the telescopes in the world to start figuring out that they had made a mistake because the calculations were coming out way different than they thought. And at the end of the day, after 24 months of getting all the telescopes and the Hubble on board and all these different research groups, they all got together in a room to discuss what their findings were. And nobody had shared them with each other until that time. And nobody wanted to go first. <laughs> so one, finally, one person raised their hand. And they said, OK, here's what we found. We may have the numbers wrong uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys all have because this really shouldn't be this way. But we found that the universe is expanding and it's speeding up and it will never slow down. And so, you know, E equals MC squared. Remember that? They lied to you. Because something does travel faster than speed of light. And this bothered Einstein, by the way. A lot, And the container that holds light expands quicker than the light. And in quantum world, things don't happen at the speed of light. They happen at the speed of thought. They happen instantaneously. That's why the physical world and the quantum world don't jive right now. But the link is consciousness. So when you observe something, it goes from a wave in the quantum world, potential, into a particle, which is matter. So you understand just from a scientific... Just by observing something, you lock it in. So as you believe, so will you see. You are co-creating by observing... So, the first, you light 36 candles during Hanukkah. Every day you light another one, another one, another one. So, by the end, you've lit in 36. 36, mystically, during the first days of creation in Genesis 1, right? It starts off like the spirit was over the deep, and God said, let there be light in Genesis 2. And there was light, and it was tov, it was good, and it served its purpose. Now, how is there light? It's what they call the pure eternal light. And it lasted for 30 or three days, but the light part of that lasted for the 12 hours of the day that it was light. So it lasted for 36 hours. 36 candles. Until God concealed that light so that we could earn it or have the illusion of earning it it's already there we don't have to earn it but in order for something to have value does it have value if you never earn it if you're just given it all the time no so the whole process of the fall of us falling asleep and us forgetting that we are light is so that we can go and earn it back and return to source so 36 hours. Now, here's what's interesting. Hid the light, and on the fourth day, what was created? Physical light, not eternal light, because the sun and the moon were brought into existence. So now we navigate with that. But a very interesting thing is, out of the light spectrum, from gamma rays all the way to radio waves, what percentage of the spectrum do we see with our human eyes? Less than 1%. They say it's 0.0035% is what we actually see. Now my teacher would teach me, my Kabbalist teacher would teach me that there's two realities. There's the 1% reality Right? which is this physical world, the world of Newton physics, the world of thermodynamics, and this whole thing looking like matter, which is really energy in disguise. right? But that's the 1% world, he would say. That's the 1% reality. But that other reality that created those bazillion stars and trillions of galaxies and multiverses, that is the 99% reality. And that reality is so much more than, but if you limit it by your belief system, so what are we trying to do? The whole journey of life is to create a circuitry so we can move beyond the physical senses and move into the metaphysical. And we're in the metaphysical, do you think we have more abilities, more power, more intuition, more connection, more love? And what is the code of eternal light? It's pure love. Infinite love. A miracle is a demonstration of love. Because love is from the eternal. It's that is source energy. And love plus love equals more love. And that's why the universe, as we know it, will keep extending and increasing forever. Because love cannot be limited. The only thing that limits love is your perception. So I want to share with you a little just quick story to wrap up Um, because there's three really parts to I think activating this light in you that is in everything. So With the birth of consciousness, what is the birth of consciousness? It's the birth of us getting to have free will. That's what consciousness is. There will be a point when you return to the light, to the purity, to the oneness, to the is, to that. When you return to that which always is and always will be and never changes and is eternal and endless. When you return to that, you have no more need for beliefs. You have no more need for changing your perception. But when you separate from that, we are programmed to return to it. And that's why we all know when things resonate, like truth resonates, when love resonates, when we can feel it. So what what has to start to do that is there has to be something in you that has a desire to know that even more. A desire to yearn to know something more than your physical body and what you see in the mirror and you think is you. So Adam Adam and Eve story is the birth of consciousness. Everything else was created with vibration. Okay? Let there be light and there was. It was spoken into existence through vibration. And the first creation was light on day one. On day six, we finally get to Adam. So everything else was created, but consciousness was not created with vibration. It was created by the spirit of that eternal energy forming clay on the ground and breathing its consciousness into the clay. Why is that different than everything else that was created through speech? Because it came from the source of all creation, which was beyond vibration. Does that make sense? So if you dwell in the world of vibration, you're still here, but our way back home is through vibration. It's very... So what is this? A circuit. So if you're out of balance, right? If you're out of balance, if you have a pull, let's say, you know light filament? You know a light filament? You have two filaments, a positive and a negative pole, and in the middle you have that resistance, that filament. In the old school lights, if you guys remember the old lights. We have LEDs now, right? But what does it do? It sends energy, and it restricts the energy in the middle, and the restriction is what creates physical light. Does that make sense? So it's that balance that we're looking for to reveal the most light. The light's always there, but we want to reveal it. If we have too much on the positive side pushing through there, what happens to the filament? It blows, right? And what, is that light? What, are the, what does that light really do? What those light packets really do that come from the eternal is they wake up a desire in you to get back to that. And that desire looks like happiness, fulfillment, joy, something pleasurable, usually. Now, why do we short-circuit it? We short-circuit it because we go, there's two kinds of fulfillment. One is endless fulfillment, lasting fulfillment, the kind that never dies. And the other is temporary. So temporary, I refer to as like, it's like the light of a firecracker. So you get the light and bam, it blows up in your hand. It gives you a lot of energy for a second, but then it's gone. So it's like, if you have a great, you know, experience with, shopping or you get a material thing or you close a business deal or you have a sexual experience that gives you lots of energy but it, or you have a drug experience or an alcohol or whatever and then you get that flash of light but then it fades that's temporary fulfillment and what that does is it starts to short circuit and unbalance the whole system so what we really want is we want lasting fulfillment how many get the idea We want that love that never goes away. We want that deep attraction, that deep love, that deep yearning for God, that deep yearning for meaning, for service. So how does that happen? Temporary fulfillment usually comes from one thing, a desire which is good, but it's a desire misdirected. And the desire is the desire to receive for myself only. I want the power, I want the energy, I want the thing, I want the materialism, I want the whatever. And it's for me alone. Is that similar to the light of the eternal side? No. So the way home is to become similar to the light that is eternal. That's the way home. And what does the light that's eternal have? Always giving, always sharing, always increasing, always growing, always loving, always honoring, always compassionate, all the attributes of that. So it's very simple. The light of pure love or the light of pure selfishness. And so we've got to keep, choo- and is it harder sometimes to choose this light over here? When your body's saying, I'm hungry, I want sex, I want drugs, I want this, I want to, I want to get a shopping thing, I want, and you get, to, you, want to, you, get your, you want the same thing, you want light, but you're looking for it in the wrong place. Because how many of you ever got the thing that you thought you wanted, the car, or the whatever, and you were so psyched about it, and about like two weeks later, you're like, ah. Kind of over it. Or it got its first dent and it really upset you, and then you now you're reactive, and now you're like worried about the car. Right? But the bottom line is what we really want is we want a light that won't go away, and that only comes through a a light of sharing, of becoming like the Creator. So I'm gonna read to you Einstein's letter. Um, and then I'm going to share with you this last story, and then we'll be done. But Einstein's letter to his daughter, have you guys heard about these? I can find my little, I used to using my iPad this way. Here it is. Um, Einstein's uh, letter to his daughter, which was kept by his stepdaughter, actually. These were brought out, but there's a part of the letter I want to read to you. And he writes to his daughter. There is an extremely powerful force that, so far, science has not found a formal explanation to. It is a force that includes and governs all other forces and is even behind any phenomenon operating in the universe and has not yet been identified by us, the scientists. The universal force is love. When scientists looked for a unified theory of the universe, They forgot the most powerful unseen force. Einstein writes, love is light that enlightens those who give and receive it. So when you become enlightened, like the Buddha, right? What does enlightened mean? It means now I'm only identified with the light of pure giving and sharing, and I do not identify with the light of fear anymore. So when the disciples would ask Yeshua, when will heaven come? When will heaven on earth be here? When will the kingdom arrive? He said, it's all around you, everywhere. But most of you don't have eyes to see. Because he was so identified with one thing, the purity of the truth, which this can only be true. Everything else is an illusion helping us find our way back. So why do we have pain? Why do we have pain in our life and suffering? You know, the Buddha said, when they asked the Buddha, what is enlightenment? He would never give an answer. What's enlightenment? What's enlightenment? What's he would never answer them. And finally, one day, he wouldn't tell what enlightenment was, but he said, I will tell you this. It's the end of suffering. How many of you would like to have the end of suffering? <laughs> right? And it's when you have new eyes to see. So Yeshua told in his secret teachings, he told his disciples, it'll be 20 to 30 lifetimes before you know what I actually taught you. Because it had to sink in and they had to go through this discovery process. And by the way, as we go on this journey of life of the soul, of the wheels of the soul through lifetime after lifetime, and we keep getting closer and closer and making more distinctions, when we... uh, taste the light or touch the light, because we've earned it, does it feel much better? Yes or no? Absolutely. And so the pain is a redirection. It's, it's showing you you're out of balance with the universal laws. That's what pain is. It, it's redirecting you and showing you, hey, something's out of harmony here. And boom, let's get back in harmony. Let's move over, and if you don't pay attention to those things that you draw into your life that look like pain and suffering, does it usually go away? Or does it just change form and change, you know, context and change, right? It just keeps shifting until you get it. So he goes on. Love is also gravity because it makes some people attracted to others. So when you're in harmony, when you're in resonance, do you notice that you start to pull in everybody that you need to help you move to a higher level? That's what the law of attraction is. It's being in right harmony with the laws of light in the universe. Love is power because it multiplies the best we have and allows humanity not to be extinguished in their blind selfishness. Love unfolds and reveals. For love we live and die. Love is God, God is love, and love is light. Donna, will you light the candle for us? She's going to do a little Hanukkah lighting, and I'm going to share one story with you, and we're going to wrap up. So bring Donna up, give her a hand. So as she lights this candle, maybe we could just hold that we... All are candles. Some of us just have lots of veils over ourselves, and we want to take those off. That's why we're here. That's why we're in this community. So what happens when you bring a candle, one candle, and you light it in a dark room? What happens? The darkness retreats. Does it matter if it's a small room or it's a stadium? It still fills. So that light, removing those veils, is really, I believe, our purpose in being here. And how we do that is with one another, by sh- reaching out, by sharing, by becoming a being of love, by being an extension of that which is true. And uh, she's going to do the little Hanukkah prayer and light the candle for us. So uh, do you need a mic or you want to just say it out loud? Okay.
5: Blessed are you, our God, ruler of the universe, who makes us holy through your commandments and commands
0: us to light the Hanukkah lights. Hmm. Thank you. So, um, just to conclude, thank you, Donna, for doing that. So, during this time of year, one of the things that uh, is very interesting to me, as I started to dive into Kabbalah, that you know the the Jewish religion has lots and lots of what my teacher would call holy days. I mean, you go, you have four main feasts, you have Yom Kippur, you have, you have, it goes on and on and on. And Hanukkah is actually not a major holiday in the religion, other than the mystics tell you that after we complete and we bring heaven to earth, After the Age of Awakening is complete, there will only be two holidays left, and one of them is Hanukkah, because Hanukkah is um, positioned in a place in our universe, when the cosmos are lined up, where we have access to that 36 hours of pure light. So during Hanukkah, during these eight days, you actually have access more than any other time of the year to that pure light. So, if you are so called to light a candle at home or get yourself a menorah at Target or whatever, and light these candles and sit with them and contemplate on the beauty of being able to take one candle and light another, which is what we're doing all day long when we share light, it's never diminished. I can light a million candles with this candle, and it will never go out. So, as you contemplate that, you bring down that pure, eternal light. Beyond the physical, and you start to integrate it into your DNA. So, how many of you can see we're going through great changes in our world right now? Right? So, what's happening? We're out of balance. But that's not a bad thing because nature and the universal laws are getting us back in balance very quickly. And so, what we can do is we're reaching a tipping point where we're at a time in humanity that will be unlike any other and could be the most magnified, beautiful time that any human being has ever lived because right before the, the birth, right, we go through birthing pains and the contractions get closer and closer together and they're intense. You get this thing out of me. I can't, right? And, and that's kind of metaphorically what we're going through. And there's a moment when the birth happens and all the pain is forgotten. It was all worth it because now the baby's arrived. The endorphins are flowing. The love is there, the, right? And you're just just enveloped in this new life, this new creation. There was once a teacher named Mrs. Thompson and she taught fifth grade and she had a little boy come in and his name was Teddy Stollard. And, you know, she tried, She said on the first day of class what she said every year. She said, I love you all the same. I'm going to treat you all the same. But some, she had noticed Teddy the year before, and he, he honestly bothered her. He was always sort of disheveled and wasn't clean and wasn't very nice to the other kids and sort of was off. And now she, he was in her class, and if she was honest, she had to admit, like, I don't like this young man. And so she started going, you know, starting the school year, and she started to grade his papers, and she kind of got some pleasure out of putting big X's on the paper or marking F. And part of her agreement with the school was that she would review all the kids' past history. So right before Christmas break, she started going, she had been doing all the other kids, but Teddy's was almost last because she didn't even want to. And she reviewed his history. First grade, the teacher said Teddy's amazing. What a light. His laughter is contagious. I love him in my class. Second grade said, Teddy's a brilliant child, filled with energy, but something's going on at home. His mom has a terminal illness, and I can see something is off with him. Third grade, Teddy's mom passed away, and he's gone into a deep funk. His father's not present. He's disconnecting. Something needs to be done. I'm doing everything I can. Fourth grade. Teddy fights with the other kids. Teddy's recluse. Teddy doesn't care. Teddy won't study. Right? And she's reading all this, and she's heartbroken. And she starts contemplating why she became a teacher. Like, why did I do this? And she said, I, and that day she said, I stopped teaching arithmetic and reading and science, and I started teaching souls. And she said, I gave so much attention to Teddy. And right before Christmas break, all the kids came in and they gave her presents. And they were all beautifully wrapped, and And Teddy brought in like a really poorly wrapped present that was wrapped with a grocery bag in and all the kids laughed at him. And she made a point to open it in the middle of all the other presents and to take great joy in opening it. And she bent over and she took every corner. And as she opened it and lifted it out, she was she pulled out this rhinestone bracelet that had some of the jewels missing. And it was obviously worn and used. And the kids started to chuckle, and she said, oh, it's so beautiful. And she put it on, and the kids got quiet because she had such reverence for it. And she pulled out a bottle of perfume that was a quarter full. And she sprayed it on herself. and And all the kids were like, wow, she really loves those presents that Teddy got her. And Teddy stayed after that day, a little bit after class. And as she walked over to Teddy... And asked if there was anything. He said, I just wanted to tell you, Mrs. Thompson, I stayed because you smell like my mother used to smell. And you're wearing her bracelet. Thank you for wearing her bracelet. Well, Teddy turned around because she gave so much light to him. She said, as I gave him light, my light for the others increased. Right, because what happens? I light one candle, and it's on. Now that candle's lighting other candles, and Teddy started to interact with the other kids, and play with the other kids, and learn with the other kids. And all of a sudden, all these candles. And she said it was the best year of teaching she ever had. Teddy graduated high in his class. He was stable again. A year, a year later, he got uh, uh, Mrs. Thompson got a note. I graduated sixth grade. Several years later, I got another note. I graduated high school, Mrs. Thompson. You're the best teacher I've ever had. And I was third in my class. Four years later, another note. Mrs. Thompson, I went on to college. I want to let you know, you're still the best teacher I've ever had. And I've got my bachelor's degree. Four years later, Mrs. Thompson, I decided to go a step further. It was hard. It was challenging. But I did it. I graduated with a master's degree, signed Teddy Stollard, M.D. And then a year later, she gets a letter. Mrs. Thompson, I met a gal while I was in graduate school. We're going to get married. I would love for you to come to my wedding and be in the place of my mother. And Mrs. Thompson (laughs) went to the wedding and wore that rhinestone (laughs) bracelet and had that perfume on. And Mrs. Thompson had never forgotten since that fifth grade class, again, why she started teaching. She started teaching to teach souls. And every one of you has your own way of sharing your light with others. And, you know, I would just say that miracles are your birthright. And when you see the light in somebody's eyes light up, when you walk into the room and you light it up, not when you walk out. You don't want to light it up when you walk out. That's bad. (laughs) Right? But when you walk into a room and you light it up because you decide that there's something much bigger going on here than your small challenges. Right? That you're here for a much greater purpose. So the way we activate light is yearn for it. Yearn to be part of something that is so much beyond your imagination you can't even imagine. Yearn to commune with that. The second way you use reveal light is you create circuitry. And that circuitry is created by you resisting the things that are not of the eternal light, that are of the burnout light. So you move your desires to higher desires. And that takes what we call restraint or restriction. It takes effort to earn that light. It doesn't have to be hard, but it has to be conscious. And so when you feel like judging somebody because of their political views or their views on vaccine or the way they drive or the way they show up at Thanksgiving, right? Because that judgment is Easy to go to because it's of the smaller light. Does that make sense? It's of the immediate gratification because I feel energy when I judge somebody. To transcend that, what does that do? It burns eternal light. Listen, you don't know why somebody has the story they have. You don't know. And if you did know, you might be living that same life. Right? So to judge something because that's the lessons that they called in to learn in their own way. And what can our job be? Is to be there in love and in light to help them pull out of the darkness. Because you know what? The truth is we can't do this alone. That revealing this light only comes when I light somebody else's candle or they light mine. So, I feel very blessed. You know, I used to, um, at the end of some of my programs, I would always share this phrase, um, quote from Gandhi, and the, the quote was, be the change you wish to see in the world, and I love that. And then one day, a beautiful Hindi man, Hindu man came up to me and said, you're, you're saying it wrong. And I said, I've been saying it for like 20 years. And he's, <laughs> and he's like, he says, it's actually... Translated perfectly, he says, it doesn't say be the change you wish to see in the world. It says become the change you wish to see in the world. And so we're all in a process of becoming. Now, we get to choose with our free will what that process looks like. And here's what I believe. God is and nothing else is. In the course of miracles it starts and it says nothing real pure light nothing real can be threatened nothing unreal exists herein lies the peace of god so i believe that not one note in heaven's song is missed not one So if you have challenges, it's there to illuminate you if you want it to. So uh, I am very grateful to have been able to spend a little bit of time with you and to be welcomed and to get to know Jane and this community. And um, would you just like to say a quick little prayer as we go into the next song? So just close your eyes, and I just want you to imagine your eternal light that never goes out from the jug of pure oil burning deep within inside you. Filled with the oil of God, the pureness of God beyond this physical realm, that pure light burning. And with that burning, it ignites a yearning in you to be connected to it, and to more importantly, to share it. So, God, Father, Mother, God, we thank you so much for letting us share our light, to to be a source of illumination, to illuminate ourselves first, to take the veils off, and to spread our light into the world. We know that is why we are here at the highest level to share this light, to reveal this light, and to be part of this light, not just in ourselves, but to know it's in every single thing that ever is, ever was, and ever will be. And for this, we are eternally grateful, and so it is. Amen. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
7: the dark clouds roll away and the sun begins to shine I see my freedom from across the way and it comes right in on time and it shines so bright and gives so much light and it comes from the sky above makes me feel so free make me feel like me and it lights my life of love and it seems like crossed with my hands behind my back I was long time hurt and thrown in the dirt I shoved out on the railroad track I've i did.
1: do we have another song or oh okay okay wonderful so you guys aren't singing again right yeah okay i'm sorry <laughs> i'm uh, i love it <laughs> oh my goodness i love i love this place and i love you guys <laughs> i'm uh, i haven't been lit at noon on a Sunday ever, and I am vibrating because this candle lit this candle. How many else feels lit? (laughs) Absolutely. And how many of us would love for sure to share with us again someday? So good. Um, So I want to welcome our visitors. Do we have any visitors here today in the room? Anyone here for the first time? OK, we've got a couple hands. <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. Are you comfortable sharing your name and where you're from? I'm David Drouse. with my a wife Karen. We're community members from
2: Virginia. We just moved from Virginia to Redmond, so we're
1: here Wonderful. So for those online, this is David and Karen visiting Unity members from Virginia. And I live in Redmond, so we're neighbors. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. And I saw another hand over here, Sloan's mama. <laughs> Remind me your name? Nancy. Nancy. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Any other visitors? No one? OK. Oh, whoops. I'm sorry. Yes, your name. Oh, wonderful. Welcome, Nicole. (laughs) I got some neighbors. I love it. (laughs) Okay, next we're going to go into our offering, which is one of my favorite times. Come on up. We're going to pray over this basket before we send it out. Um offering is when we get to come together again. We get to affirm what we're manifesting here again with our resources. It's a celebration. It's an act giving as an act of gratitude. And it funds our shelter, it funds our land, it funds our staff, it funds our love and light out into the community. So we pray over these baskets. We see them filled and overflowing with all that we need. And we say that it is a ho. If you're online, um, you can go ahead. There's a, You can give online. There's a link. And you can also give by text message. Uh, going to 833-455-1960. Just text give. That's how I give. And uh, everything will come in as it should.
2: I got gratitude in my heart, I got gratitude in my soul, I just want to say thank you, thank you, I just want to say thank you, thank you, I just want to say thank
3: you for
2: Thank you. I just wanna say thank you for it all. Thank you for it all. But last time. Thank you for <upbeat starts> it all.
1: <iage> we're gonna pray over him. All right, we're gonna share our blessing over what's received. From the love of pure spirit within us, we bless these gifts. We send them forth to heal, bless, and prosper. They are evidence of our faith and belief. They do good work in the world and return to us multiplied abundantly. And so it is. Thank you. All righty, we've got a few announcements to share with y'all. Uh, bottle Drop Holiday Give. Send us a photo of you with a blue bottle drop bag. We've got an incentive going with our recycle organization. And Claire, what does it do? It puts us in a drawing. Yeah, we can win 100 bucks If we get photos, so Thank you.
4: Since we have several of you here, so I have a a bag out there filled with bottles. If we can snap a quick photo of each of you holding the bag before we leave, and then we can send them to our social media posters and they can get them up so we can get our extra bonus. And if you have bottle drop bags at home with the Unity sticker on them, try and drop them off before the 1st because then they will match what we put in. Okay.
1: December 1st. December 1st. Wonderful. Thank you, Claire. Uh, If you are interested in becoming a board member or Sunday greeter, let us know. We are looking for a board member, Sunday greeters, and you can email claire at kevinkubota.com or connect with any one of us after the service. That's Claire. (laughs) And uh, Possibility party Party with Reverend Jane is Thursday. This Thursday, December 2nd, on Zoom, 6.30 to 8 o'clock. And a possibility party is exactly what it sounds like. If you haven't participated, it is electric, and I highly recommend it. And we are going to have prayer chaplains available to connect with you up front afterward. If there's anything we can stand with you and manifesting for you today, then come on up afterward. And with that, we're going to share our prayer of protection. The light of God surrounds me. I am the light of God. The love of God enfolds me. I am the love of God. The power of God protects me. I am the power of God. The presence of God watches over me. I am the presence of God. Wherever I am, God is because I am.
2: Feel free to sing along. You know the words because you just said them. The light of God surrounds me. I am the light of God. Me, I am the power of God. The presence of God watches over me. I am the presence of God. in my soul i just want to say thank you thank you i just want to say thank you thank you i just want to say thank you for it all ba da 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 do da thank you for it all da 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 do thank you for it all have a great week